I've got to include this. So we got this, we'll go real kind of quick through it, okay? But um, but just uh, let's let's work through this briefly together. This would be Ephesians four one through sixteen, okay? One through sixteen. Ephesians four one through sixteen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have been called. Okay, and John paused there and said, "Okay, great." How do I walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God? I do ask because he's going to unpack that, right? Here it is. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, what? What? In love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called. One hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. Do you hear any giving in there? Is there what's, what's going on? Yeah, selflessness, right? Selflessness. Pride, I tell you, you know, pride is, is so damaging to first our relationship with God and then our relationships with each other. Oh my word. Wow. And, and you know, when you're angry and you're upset because you didn't get treated the way you thought you ought to or whatever, whatever it is, and you're running off, you run off your mouth and you're, you're hitting somebody or whatever, whatever, or maybe it's the silent treatment, right? However that pride is expressed, it's pride. Got to deal with it, and and when you calm down, your emotions are you know later on, and the Holy Spirit you know in His generally consistent way is saying, you know what you did, what you said was wrong, right? Look at that pride, look at that pride, look at and, and confess that, and get back to what because this first, how does verse two start with humility, right? Get back to that place of humility. Uh, and, and, and then extending forgiveness, bearing with one, extending patience, giving patience, even David, right? You know, so that so that you bear with each other. <laughs> we all have our cross, right? We all have our cross. All right. I'll take that. Brother, do you need some notes this morning? No, I have some. Okay. okay. All right. So I, I said we wouldn't dwell long, so let's keep moving. Um, that was verse 6. Now, picking up with verse 7, Ephesians 4, verse 7. But grace was what? Given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's what? Gift. Okay. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led hosts of captives and he gave gifts to men. God has given to his church people to, and not just you know like broadly speaking but very specifically and, and and we've even seen that here at this church and we were talking about this at the at the mission a little bit just reflecting on it about how the lord has has brought people in and out of this fellowship and he's he's taken many out of this tiny little nothing church right and he's he's over the years we've seen him put people in different places for ministry and other and continue to, you know, to grow a ministry there and, and, and all of that. And, and that gifting, you know, 
as much grief as we sometimes give each other and get on each other's nerves, you are God's gift to this body. And they to you. I to you. Right? And it's not that, you know, we're talking about so many uh, churches today are wrapped up in this superstar pastor with, with all of the degrees and the, and the wonderful, you know, presentation and, and, and very articulate and, and can get, you know, and, and maybe maybe a, a really, really great band that go with them, very talented people. And they're sort of almost like the show when they do the thing. Everybody else just kind of files in and gets a goose bump, and, you know, whatever, right? It's not how the church is supposed to work at all. We are gifts from Christ to one another in love. That's his expression of his love for his church. You are an expression of his love for the church. That's pretty amazing. And he puts you here with your particular gifts and gifting, right, uh, that, that, that the Holy Spirit, so that you can operate together and we can all work together, uh, as Paul is going to say here in a second, for the building up of the whole body, that together we grow. Larry says all the time, and he's right, you know, we grow together, right? We, we grow together, encourage each other. We're here to, to weep with those who weep and, and, and laugh with those who laugh, and, and, and we support each other. And that is an expression of Christ's love for you. That's awesome, isn't it? What a great thought. Now let's move on. Um, so in saying, uh, this verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. That's a little parenthetical note there. Won't get into that. Verse 11, and he, what? Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Okay, I know a lot of, this is ESV I'm reading from, a lot of translations, most of the English ones I'm familiar with, say pastors, pastor slash or dash teacher really is kind of what it is. But that's uh, the term pastor is really the Latin term. The Greek here is shepherd. So the ESV has it right in getting it back to that original Greek meaning. Shepherd teacher. Okay. Again, so the teaching elders in a church, okay, are God's gifts to us. The apostles, the prophets of old that were part of the founding of the church are God's gift to us. When we're reading John's gospel, that's a gift from God to us, right? That's pretty awesome to think about. Again, all expressions of his love. To equip, verse 12, what, what's the purpose of that? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body. That's edification, right? Instead of gossip, instead of tearing each other down with our words, we are to seek to build one another up, to impart grace. You know, God wants to impart grace through your mouth you know, to, to the ears of other people to build them up in the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14, so that he, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth, what? We are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head of Christ. The truth that God gives us through the word and that he ministers to us 
through each other's gifting is also, that truth is another gift. A good gift. A good gift uh, from God. Man, oh man, aren't you glad you have the truth? Yes. Do you know anybody in your life who's not walking in truth, but is walking in darkness and confused and stumbling? Boy, it's becoming really, it really is, obvious it really in our culture today. When people don't even know what gender they are. Or what race, they're trying to be some other race. I can just make up my own reality. No, you can't. Right. Very, very, very evident. Yeah. I was just going to say one of the things that I think of when I think about the gifts is that Christ gave us was the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, you know, he, he gave that to us, and that was a gift of love and an important one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly right. And though Paul doesn't touch on that here, we will certainly see that in. In those chapters, thirteen through sixteen, where he's going to tell them, uh, you know, uh, it's it's actually in my wife's prayer. You know, she was saying it would really be great to have the Lord here physically to heal Debbie, you know, her eyes and all that. And she and I've had these conversations before. She's said similar things. And, uh, and what I've told her though is Jesus Himself actually says it's better that He's not here. It's kind of mind blowing. But He says the reason is is that if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. I'm going to go away and ask the Father, and he will give you the Holy Spirit, right? And you're going to see that. That's a strong theme in these coming chapters, absolutely, right? The Holy Spirit, the truth of God, one another, the gifting that we have to serve one another, the edification, the patience that we try to exercise, try to exercise with one another, right? Bearing with one another, forgiving each other. All of those things are, are gifts uh, that are that express love, that express first God's love for us, but then our love for one another, right? As well. That's what he says in chapter five, where he says, "As, as uh, imitators of God, uh, therefore be imitators of God as beloved, as loved children, walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, in offering and a sacrifice." That's right. All over. It's all over. Once you see this principle, you'll see it everywhere. You know, you see it. Don't forget it. Okay, that's why I'm taking time to really drill this in because it's just all over Scripture. It's all over Scripture. Okay, um, so verse verse 16, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, even Christ, and, and um, uh, from whom the whole body joined and held together. This is verse 16 by every joint with which is it, it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love. Right? <clears throat> when he says all the parts are working properly, what does he mean? <laughs> We're all doing, We're not We're all doing, We're all doing our really specific gift. Yeah, that's right. But, but particularly in the context of the church. love. Yeah. Love, right? That the, the, the in love is all over and scattered throughout this whole thing so that when he says that all the parts are working together, what he means is 
that it's all being done, not not absolutely perfectly all the time and everything, and, and we never have any any bumps and grinds and, dis, and disagreements or whatever, but but that there there is forgiveness, right? There's looking past it, there's asking for forgiveness and extending forgiveness and, and working and mercy and all these things. What how? In love, right? With the motivation that I love you and I seek the best for you, rather than me and my pride and what I want and what's good for me. And you hurt my feelings, so I'm gonna take my ball and go to the next church. Okay. You know, uh can I just read the New Living Testament? Sure. On verse 2, puts it real clear. It says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been taught in one glorious hope for the future. Mm. Oh, that's good. I was listening to a, a, a really good interview um, that Justin Peters, I don't know if you know him, I was talking to Vicky about it a minute ago, but um, recommend him. It's, it's really good. Got a YouTube channel. Anyway, he did an interview recently with a pastor out of Houston's a Bible church down there. And the pastor said, um, in the process of the interview, he said, "You know, I've been to a lot of churches, and they're either they either uh, tend to emphasize love at the exclusion of truth or minimizing truth, or you have a lot of truth and they're really heavy on the truth, but where's the love, right? And where's the genuine concern? It's very hard to find a church where you have both together." I thought, "Wow, that's really great." You know, and, and it's 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 exactly what. How John describes Jesus at the beginning of his gospel. He says that he is full of grace and truth. Now, he doesn't use the word love there, but it's the same idea, right? It's, he's, he's extending grace and showing love, but, he, but one of the manifestations of that, he's also telling you the truth, right? And we shouldn't confuse somebody who comes to you with a gentle and, 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 and understanding and sympathetic spirit but they tell you you're in sin right and, and they and they take you it's not my opinion and they take you the word of god and show you what god says on that we shouldn't mistake that for how dare you right and off you go right now that's love that's love speaking the truth in love okay it's not all cupcakes and sugar all the time that's not that's the world's kind of love but this god's love he loves enough to give us the truth, to tell us the honest truth about where we are, and thank God for the good news that he spared no expense to redeem us from that and give us an exit strategy to get out, get out of judgment. You know, the other thing, right? Thank you appreciate the discipline, even though it's, it's hard. Do the Lord love it? Right. Just because, yes, because <clears throat> as your daddy just did you, when you were young, he did it in love. That's right. The same thing he does with us. Right. By giving us the Holy Spirit, that convicts us and things we do, and when we read and get convicted, that is our that's our chastisement. That's right. our witness. When we feel the guilt and we feel the shame, we ask Him to forgive. Same thing you're doing here. Your earthly father saying, "I'm sorry, I've done this." You know, yeah. and you do both ways in love. That's right. And you don't always appreciate it in the moment, right? When oh, you were a child, you didn't appreciate this from your parents. When you get older, though, and you have your own children. 
you really begin to understand it. And you're very grateful for that love, right? Even though it hurt in the moment. That's right. Let's move on. Love gives, right? Um, Ephesians 5. Uh, this is what we looked at last time. Ephesians 5. Let me look at my notes here. 525. Okay. Husbands, what? Love your wives. As Christ gave himself, right? Yep, thank you, Adam. Exactly right. So Christ loved the church and took everything he could from her and, and made himself rich at her expense, like false prophets today, <laughs> like the shepherds of Israel then, yeah, right? Ezekiel right. 34, right? We looked at that. We looked at, 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 at John 10, right? He says, why, am I, why is he the good shepherd? Because he loves the sheep and gives his life for them. See that? As opposed to the bad shepherds of Israel who were fleecing the sheep and taking all that they could to pad their own pockets and build their own egos regardless of what it did to the sheep. Lovers of themselves. So husbands are to take that model of Christ and to love unconditionally and express that love by giving specifically themselves all right so love gives that's what we're showing here right so those are some extra you might say some some additional other texts that the gist of you know when i started thinking about it, those were some of the ones that really came to my mind and there are like i say there's a lot of them okay we could spend and we're almost out of time as it is so Let's get back into, let me finish this up by helping us now get back into John. We've already seen John 3.16. I want to show us two other verses in John that kind of illustrate this. Does, so the question is, okay, if love gives, um, then we should see giving, not only God giving to us, but God giving to God. Hmm. That's interesting. John chapter 5, verse 20. John chapter 5, verse 20 says this. For the Father loves who? The Son. Oh, interesting. And shows him all that he himself is doing. Okay? So he proves that by showing these works and greater works then these will he show him so that you may marvel. Uh, the father gave all kinds of things to the son, including the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit. We saw that back in chapter 3 where John the Baptist says that, that he's, again, the Holy Spirit, okay? Get this. The Holy Spirit is not just a gift from the father to, to us at the request of the son to show his love, but the Holy Spirit was also given by the father to the son as well. And John the Baptist makes a real point of that in the last half of chapter 3, where he says that this is the heavenly witness who has the Spirit without measure. It's interesting. So the Father gave the Holy Spirit to Jesus without, without restraint or boundaries or borders. Okay? So, so he did all these miracles and these works and things through the power of the Spirit to in fulfillment of the will of the Father, as an expression of the Father's love. That's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, but that's what the text is teaching us, okay? So the Father loves the Son and shows him all these things, okay? 
So there's a, there's a, my point is, there's an explicit verse right there where the father just doesn't just love you. He loves the son too. Okay. In fact, he loves the son so much. Watch this. He's giving you as an expression of his love to the son. Okay. That's the next chapter. Move over to chapter six and look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Well, if love gives, and the Father loves the Son, and what he's saying here is that the Father is giving people to Jesus, and if you're one of those who is a genuine believer, then that means, follow this now, this is really great. You, personally, are a love gift from God the Father to the Son. You are an effect of the Father's love to the Son. To demonstrate to the Son that He loves Him. That's pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> Which means, people say, can I lose my salvation? First of all, it is yours. It's God's. And what he starts, he finishes. No one is able to take that separate. So many texts, right? Nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God, right? But there's some very specific reasons why God has secured our salvation. And at least two of those is, first of all, you are secured his justice. Paul says that in in Romans 3, where he says he is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that, watch this now, um, that you are so thoroughly um, redeemed in Christ when you come to Christ that God would be wrong if he were to bring your sins up again. God would be unjust if he didn't extend eternal life to those who are in Christ. He would be unjust. So, you might say, in a way, he puts his own justice on the line to save you and preserve you and to completely deliver everything that he says that he started to do in your life, right? So you're securing his justice first. But I love this as well, and that's coming out of, out of this text right here. Secondly, you are also secure in his love. Because if Jesus were, and he goes on to say in this whole, you can read this whole uh, section of John 6, the latter half of John 6 again, where he continues to reiterate the fact, I will not reject anyone who comes to me. I will not reject anyone who comes to me. I will not reject. Why? Because they're love gifts from the Father. And if he were to reject them, what does that say about not only his love for you, but his love for the, the Father? Right? If you, if, as disappointed as you are in yourself many times, remember this, you are a gift from the Father to the Son. And, and when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't just see you with all your failings and faults and shortcomings. Of course, he sees what you're going to be, you know, once the whole process is finished as well. But he sees something else, and he sees the love of the Father expressed in you. The fact that the Father has given you to him is an expression of the Father's love for the Son. And to turn that down is not just a slight, maybe, to you or to his justice, but it's a slight to God's love for him. Wow. 
How about that? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? God has really secured our salvation in, in a very strong way. He's put his justice and his love on the line, you might say. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty, this is my work today. Mm -hmm. That truth is just, anytime I'm getting discouraged, and, and once you know that, and, and Satan is whispering, you know, where your flesh is just being nasty and being its flesh, and just think about that truth. You're a love gift from the Father to the Son. And you're, you're secure. All right. So love gives. Maybe need to have that stamped on our forehead. Boy, we really do. <laughs> Let me just real quick, because we're right at time here. Uh, take us over, skip over to chapter 13. I'm going to just give us, uh, you don't have to look at these verses necessarily, okay? Uh, and and uh, as, as we walk through, we're going to walk through this, right? So we're, the plane is coming in for a landing. We're cleared, you know, to come in for a landing. We're starting to see more and more detail here. Once we get off the plane, we will, we will walk through these verses. So don't, don't feel like, please don't feel overwhelmed here because we will come back to these verses and we'll walk through them. But uh, this is, again, how strong love is in, in, in all of these chapters. Okay, so some highlights here. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1, the very, very first verse, right out of shoot, and we'll talk more about this next time. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew the hour had come to part out of this out of this world to the Father, having what? Loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. <clears throat> and I mentioned I mentioned this verse last time to you, and I'm going to reiterate this again. I'm going to say it again and again because that's how we learn. Repetition, right? When it says the end there, it doesn't mean that he loved them until he couldn't love them anymore because he was dead on the cross. It makes it kind of sound that way in English. In, in the Greek, what it really means is he loved, it's better translated this way in our modern vernacular, he loved them to the max. He loved them to the fullest extent possible that the eternal heart of God can love. Not only that, not only extent, but also, watch this, in purity, such that his love is unmixed with, well, like, you know, all of, the world that, the love you and I have naturally Okay, and the world that we, sorry, the love that we experience in our families, even in our closest relationships, all of that is always mixed, right? I love you until you cross this line. I love you because you do this for me. I love you if you toe the line, right? Or but, or but. I love you, but I love her more, and so I'm divorcing you, and I'm, right? That's the love we're used to. Jesus' love was unmixed, 100% pure. No hidden motives, no agendas, other than just love for them. I love that. Okay, we'll, we'll spend more time on that. I don't want to camp any more on that. Let's look a few verses later to, again, chapter 13, but this time 34 and 35. He's going to tell them after the foot washing, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another. How? Just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Oh, big deal. People love each other all the time. Lots of people in the world love each other. Not with this kind of love. See, that's that's what he 
That's what he's, and, and we're going to talk, here's a question. Is that really a new commandment? No, it's been there since Leviticus, okay? What's new about it is the standard. That's the new component. Love as I have loved you with this unmitigated, unmixed, supernatural kind of love, okay? And again, we'll talk more about that. Um, skipping now to chapter 14. Let's look at verse 15 quickly. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do we show love back to the Lord? We say You say you love Christ. What's the effect of that invisible love? Obedience. Not too hard to figure out. All this lordship salvation debate misses the point. If you don't, if you're not obeying him, no matter what you say, your love isn't real. Period. Okay? All right. Um, look at verses 21, and, and this is again chapter 14, 21 and 24. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Same thing. And he who loves me will be loved by who? By my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Um, yeah, let's get through. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how will you show yourself to the world and, and not, will you manifest yourself to, uh, to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Okay, he, he really hammers that point home. Do you hear the repetition? Yeah. Repetition is therefore emphasis, right? He's trying to get through the thick emotional fog that these guys are feeling, you know, being being torn and humbled and, and sad, and you know, they, they don't know what to think. He's getting through hammering this into them and into us as well. All right. Um, all right, so chapter 15, uh, verses, uh, let's see, that was, oh, verse 28, before we leave chapter 14, you heard it was said, I'm going away, and, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. You should be happy for Christ that he's not here. He's gone to his glory, right? All right. Chapter 15, here's another one, if you're writing these down, chapter 15, verses 9 through 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh, chapters, uh, sorry, skip verse 11, go down to verse 12 through 14. Again, chapter 15 of John. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he what? Lay down his life. That's given, right? That's given. Love gives. In this case, love gives to the point of death, even. Okay? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Um, uh, couple, two more, okay? Chapter 16, verse 27. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. And then chapter 17, verse 9. I am praying for them. He's talking about his disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for these whom, what? You have given me. doesn't say love there, but that's the effect of love, right? You have given me. 
That's that's as clear a text of scripture as I can find to to back up this notion that you are a love gift of the Father to the Son. Okay. All right. What has God given us? Man, he gave us himself. He's given us in, in these in this text. Okay. He's given us himself. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us joy. He's given us peace. Peace I leave you. Not as the world gives give I unto you, right? That's what he's going to say. He's going to give us eternal life. He's given us his truth. He's given us a home in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you, right? I'm going to give you a place to stay in eternity. See all that? Love gives. Love gives. All over this. Let's close. Father, it's been a it's been a rush, kind of like as a plane lands, it, it seems to pick up speed. It's really slowing down. But um, as we as we uh, have taken this really brief survey this morning, there's so many great, great, great truths here. Um, just the, the one that's so amazing to me again is that is that we are we are secure in your love. We are expressions of your love to your son. We forget that so often. We, we think of your love for us, and we should. It, it's, it's a great love, as, as we saw in Romans 5.8, that you've demonstrated that love by putting Christ to death on the cross and sparing no expense to reconcile us to yourself. But we forget about that inter-Trinitarian love, the fact that you love your son, and he loved you, and he came to obey you fully all the way to the cross to show his love for you, and you show your love for him by giving us as his people. We are his possession. And we belong to you. It's an amazing thing. We are just wrapped up in this divine romance, this embrace of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And like children caught up in the embrace of the mother and father, we we are part of that family and that embrace of love. We who are so undeserving, Amen. we who were enemies and separated from you, you have brought us, not just made us acquaintances, but brought us into your family and made us your children and your bride. And all of these, these intimate and most <clears throat> intimate and close of human relationships used to describe this state of love. Help us to grab a hold of that. This is life-transforming truth. We thank you for your truth, which itself is an expression of love as well. This morning. Bless the rest of this day for your glory. And uh, we'll pray for especially for special grace on, on Diana and David and, and the family as, as we uh, remember Gerald and his life uh, this afternoon. We pray for your special hand of grace and expression of your love for them even in this hard time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.